the way out. Well, here at The Mix, we've been in the middle of this series called I Love You So Much. And over the course of the series, we've been talking about the topic of purity. But not just purity in the physical sense, but the purity in the sense of how to have a pure mind, how to have a pure soul. And tonight we're going to be talking about how to have a pure heart. Over the course of the series, we've been really unlocking what purity truly is. And one thing that we have learned is God desires purity for you and for me not to hold us back, not to give us a list of things that we can't do. It's not to constrain us, but rather it's quite actually the opposite. You see, the reason why God desires purity for you and me, because he knows whenever we live a life full of purity, that's how we can live our best life. It's a life that is full of freedom. It's a life that we can truly prosper in. Now, God's desire for us to live purity, it all stems from his love for us. And Pastor Drew, as he kicked off this series, he uh, brought an amazing message. And we started that message, that series, with the verse of John 3.16. If you have been around church, you probably know, but it simply says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. See, whether you realize or not, every single person in this room, God loves you. But not just in a, like, a flippant way. No, God has an unconditional, sacrificial love for you. And because of that, just as you love somebody else, you want the best for them, God wants the absolute best for you. So that's why he desires purity in our lives. We've talked about the importance of purity over this series. And last week, uh, or the week before, last week we had uh, ice. We got told we had ice. But uh, we talked about how purity it starts with the mind. And that everything follows from that. Well, today we're going to be unlocking what it means to have a pure heart. But real quick, before we get to that, by a show of hands... I want you to raise your hand if you prefer vanilla over chocolate. If you like vanilla over chocolate. All right, now vice versa, if you like chocolate over vanilla. All right, we're going with Chick-fil-A tonight. How many people prefer Chick-fil-A over Popeyes? Real quick, Zach Martin, who's just up here, has never had Chick-fil-A in his life. Oh my God. Like, who are you, Zach? How many people prefer Popeyes over Chick-fil-A? It's like four of us. I'm on the Popeyes train. But not the sandwich, like actual chicken. Who is like a Nike fan over Adidas? All right, it's about half. How about Adidas over Nike? All three of those examples I just said, those are choices that we all make. It's preferences that we have. But whether you know it or not, every single person in this room, from the front to the back, left to right, we all have choices that we make every single day. Every single day when we wake up and go to school, we make choices. Some are really big, significant choices. Other choices are just fun choices like that. Do you want the Nike shoes or do you want the Adidas shoes? Do you want to take a nap or do you want to do your homework? Do you want to text that person back or do you want to leave them on red? And knowing a lot of you guys, you leave a lot of people on red. Text us back, come please. But we all make choices every single day and we all know it sounds so elementary, but the choices that we make dictate the direction that our life goes. You know, today, if I could sum up this whole sermon in a sense, is this right here. So if you're taking notes, write this down. It says, make the right choice ahead of time so you can make the right choice at the time. Make the right choice ahead of time so you can make the right choice at the time. 
If you ever try to make a significant decision in the moment, nine times out of ten, I'll say you're going to make the wrong decision. Why? Because you'll normally just go back to what is comfortable, what you know, what is easy. But if you prepare yourself and decide to make a decision ahead of time, you'll be able to make a proper decision. For example, I've been trying to eat healthy this year. I've been trying to eat like my friend Zach up here. But... I've struggled with that a little bit. Last week, me, um, me and my wife Danielle, we like wrote out the schedule that we were gonna like eat and have like salads and grilled chicken and all this really healthy stuff. And we went to like Taco Bueno and places like that. Reason why is because we didn't prepare. We didn't go to the store. We didn't make a plan of what we were gonna eat on Monday and Tuesday. We didn't meal prep beforehand. So when the choice came at nine o'clock at night, when we get home and we have a choice of, hey, are we gonna prepare a healthy meal? Or am I gonna go through the Taco Bueno drive-thru and get a muchacho? We went with the muchacho every single time. Why? Because it was comfortable and it was easy. It's the same thing with you and me. Any decision that we make, if we don't make the decision ahead of time, we won't make the right decision at the time. So apply that to your life. When it comes to relationships, what type of decisions are you making ahead of time? What type of person are you deciding to date ahead of time rather than the moment? When you're in a relationship, what type of person is it? Is that a person, are they a Christ follower? If you're a Christ follower in this room, I'd say 100% every single time it needs to be another Christ follower you date. But is that the decision you made ahead of time? Let's just be real. When it's Friday night at 9 o'clock and you're hanging out with your friends and they start doing things that you know is not what God wants you to do, have you already made that decision ahead of time of, no, that's not what I'm going to do? Because I would say if you haven't made that decision ahead of time, you'll probably just give in and do what they're doing and just play the same game that they're doing. You have to make the right choice ahead of time. And Proverbs 4.23 says this right here. It says, above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I want to break down that verse. The first part, above all else, guard your heart. That's the first part of the verse. But the second part is for everything you do flows from it. What God is telling us in this verse is every single choice you make flows from what's inside your heart. So I have the question to ask you today is what is inside your heart? How do you guard your heart and how do you keep your heart pure? Are you somebody who will give in to what anyone else wants from you just because you want to seek their approval? If that's you, maybe you have desperation in your heart. And some of us, we, are, we have insecurity inside our heart. And, you know, you change what you say, what you wear, what you do just based on the people that you surround yourself with because you want to fit in with whatever crowd that is right there. Maybe for you, you have vulnerability or you have insecurity in your heart and you don't see yourself with the same value that God sees you. You see, God, he sees you in a way where he's created you for a purpose. The Bible tells us that we are his masterpiece. But for you, you struggle every single day with insecurities, whether or not you measure up to what other people say you should be. You worry about the opinions of other people more than what God says about you. And you struggle with that every single day. If we're all real with ourselves, we have something that we deal with some type of insecurity. Or you can have contentment in your heart. Where you are okay with any situation that you find yourself in. It's not that you don't want to continue to grow and progress. It's not that you don't have goals. But you know you're good with where you're at right now because you know God's got your back. It's having gratitude in your heart. It's perspective in your life where 
You understand that everything you have, you're grateful for. You understand that God has you in a place for a reason and the people around you for a reason. And he's placed you in your situation for your benefit, not for your detriment. It's having a heart of gratitude. Or having fulfillment within your heart. Understanding the, the reason, the purpose of who God has made you to be. Which is this right here. If you don't understand who God has made you to be, he's made you someone who is absolutely forever loved. See, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 31, 30, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. God absolutely loved you. We started off this verse where God, I told you, God has an unconditional sacrificial love for you. If you don't understand that, sometimes it's easy to deal with the other things of insecurities. It's easy to give in to peer pressure of what other people do. You also have to understand that you are chosen by God. First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So you've been chosen by God for a reason, for a purpose, for God. You weren't made on accident. You're not where you at on accident. No, there's purpose and reason to it. And you're made and known by God. Psalm 139 says, you for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And go on to read that verse. Eventually it says that, you know, he knows every single day before you were ever even born. You see, God knows you. There's six, seven, eight billion. I don't know how many billion people there are in the world nowadays, but God knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head, and he has designed you for a reason. He's the one who like, quite literally set out the path for your life. He knows you better than anybody else, and he has the absolute best in store for you. So the question is, if you, have, if you know God has all these things for you, how do you flip that switch? You're dealing with insecurity, but you don't want to deal with that anymore. You want to deal with everything that God has for you. You want to have all the benefits of understanding that you are loved, that you are chosen, that you know, you've been made for a purpose. So how do you do that? How do you have that pure heart and eventually be able to have, uh, have the heart to make the right decision? Well, first step right here, you guys write this down, is step number one is to calm down. Calm down. Now, I would say this. There's a phrase... It's called halt. Whenever you're about to make an important decision, never make it when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely or tired. For me, if I'm hungry or I am tired, do not talk to me. Like, I'm always in the worst mood. In fact, like, Danielle, whenever she is hungry, she turns into, like, a different person. Like, I don't know you, Danielle, whenever, like, you are not hungry. I always have, like, a snack ready to go just in case. Calm down whenever you face a decision. Just go ahead and do this. Everyone in this room, do, do me a favor. Just breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. We have never made a great decision on impulse. If you have ever made a decision just on impulse, I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, 100 times out of 100, it's always a decision that is not the best for you. Just take a moment, breathe, have a moment, and halt. Never make a decision you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Second step, act up. So once you breathe, once you take a moment, calm down, act up. Not act a fool, but 
Look at what your priorities are. Do your priorities and what you say matters most? Do they really line up with what you want or with what God wants in your life? And when you set priorities, it also comes with boundaries. What type of boundaries are you setting in your life? And here's the thing. Don't set the boundaries so close to the edge where you're in danger of falling off. You know, if I put a red button in a, uh, in a little tiny plexiglass case right here and I take a step back and I tell myself I'm not going to... Press it. Why? Because there's a plexiglass box right there. What am I probably going to do? And what are we all probably going to do? It's still in arm's reach. We're probably going to move over and we're going to press that red button. Why? Because we all have that natural instinct to do so. We want to do it. Whenever you put yourself within arm's reach of temptation, you will never be able to hold yourself back. So the boundaries you set in your life, the priorities that you set in your life, do it with caution. Give yourself that extra breathing room where if you do trip up, you're not falling off the ledge. You know, the reason why we have purity in our life, our God desires purity in our life, it's been the theme of this entire series. It's been the theme of this entire talk of I love you so much. The reason why is because God wants the absolute best for you and for me in our lives. And you see, he sees you in a way where maybe you don't quite understand quite yet, but he has seen you in a way where you have a ton of value. You know, just recently, I got married to Danielle, and about a year ago, I started shopping for engagement rings. And as I was looking around at trying to pick out, like, the right diamond, the right ring, and stuff like that, there's a bunch of different things where and determines the price of it, like a certain diamond. Some of it is like obviously how big it is. Other things is what color it is and the clarity of it. But one thing that really drives up the price of it is whether or not there's like these tiny like imperfections inside of it. And that's known as like the purity of the diamond. The less imperfections there are, obviously it drives up the price of the diamond. You see, purity in our lives, God desires it not to hold us back, but he knows whenever we have that in our lives, it brings value to our lives. It brings stuff where God has something for you and for me. You see, Matthew 5 says this right here. It says, blessed are the pure heart, for they will see good. You know, about five years ago, I came to Fellowship Church for the very first time, actually almost six, and Marshall will be six years. And I was in every single one of your positions in this room. I went to high school, I went to Louisville High School, just right down the street. I grew up in the area. I never went to church growing up, ever. My whole life, anytime we go to church, we check out a church, and we would never go back there again, ever. We would go for an Easter, we would go for Christmas, and I always live my life doing my own thing. And I actually even got a tattoo right here on my ribs that says no regrets when I was 18 years old because I thought it would be cool. I'm like, man, I'm gonna get a tattoo that says no regrets. I'm gonna live my life the way I want to. I was on the football team. I wasn't the best player, but I always knew like the most popular players. I always hung out with them on Friday nights and I did things that they were doing and eventually it was so funny as I've gone on into life, eventually I found out about Fellowship Church and I came here. And what's hilarious about Fellowship Church and when I decided to come is, I remember in high school, I used to say I would never go to the mix. I went to Louisville High School. I had a friend named Gary. He would invite me every single Wednesday. He'd say, hey, Elvis, I need you to come to the mix with me. I'd be like, man, no, I'm good. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. 
but he was persistent with it. And two years later, eventually, I said yes when I was 19 years old. I was actually in college at the time. I decided to check out Fellowship Church, and you know, something just, it was different. Now, I was looking for something. I didn't know what I was looking for at the time, but I remember I had just broken up with a girlfriend at the time. It was like my fifth relationship in less than a year. Some of you guys can probably like relate with that. There's friends who like I had who thought were great, but all of a sudden they were talking behind my back saying bad things after the breakup. And I was like, man, I don't know what my next step is. I was a freshman at North Lake College. I was actually about to transfer to Miami to a school in Miami to do um, an engineering degree. But for some reason, I turned that down on remember why I decided to turn it down. And I remember I came to Fellowship Church at the end of my freshman year of college. Always done my own thing. Always lived the life way I thought was best for me. That's why I got no regrets tattooed literally on my body. It's like that movie where the guy gets it right here. Like, I'm a living version of that. I always thought I knew what was best for me. But just at 19 years old, so just two, three years older than some of you guys are. I already found myself in a space where I did not know where to go. And that's sad, at 19, not knowing where to go. And so when I came to Fellowship Church, I met a lot of really cool people. And there's a picture that's gonna come up on the screen right here. It's just a group of people. A lot of them is, is our mixed team staff. And just some people I wanna highlight in this picture Kind of in the middle is the guy that kind of looks like me, but not really. That's Pastor Drew. You guys all know him. And we joke all yeah, I can go for Pastor Drew. We joke all the time about like how like he's my older brother and stuff like that. We've actually even convinced like school districts and principals and like administrations that were related. Like it's funny at camp, like sometimes people will run up to me and say, hey Drew, and they'll run up to him and say, hey Elvis, and we just kind of roll with it. And we joke that like he's like my older brother. But he kind of really is. See, I met Drew five years ago. It was my second weekend when I came to Fellowship Church. And over the years, he's been someone I've been able to rely on, go to when I need help and talk to him. And over on the very far left in the jean jacket, there's a guy named JC. He was the best man in my wedding just a month ago. I met him at Fellowship Church maybe about two or three years ago at summer camp at Alasa Ranch, and eventually he moved here to DFW, and we became better friends, and our friendship grew, and now he's one of my best friends, and he's somebody I can go to all the time. And of course, in the middle is Danielle. That's my wife. I met her four years ago, serving here the mix in preparation for mix him. I say all of that because whenever I look at this picture, I don't see perfection, but I see a lot better than what I used to be. And it's nothing that I did. I just made the simple decision to follow God with everything I am. I wasn't perfect all the time, but that's what purity is. You see, purity is, there's a difference between purity and innocence. Innocence is something you're born with. When you're a baby, you're innocent. You haven't done anything wrong. Purity is something that you have to make a daily decision to do. And over the last five years, just as my testimony, I can say, because of my decision to make that daily commitment to God of I'm going to live a life of purity, 
I've seen him bring me so far in so many different ways. I've seen him surround me with the best friends I've ever had at a time when I came to church and I was looking for someone else. I didn't know who my real friends were. I found a partner who I've committed to for a life that I love absolutely with everything I am. And at the time when I came, I was going through relationship after relationship after relationship. I found leadership and mentorship who's going to help guide me along through my life. But at the time where I didn't know who I could go to for advice. You see, following God is not always perfect, but it's always worth it. That's why we've been preaching about purity for the last month. It's something that many of you guys probably rolled your eyes when we first started talking about it. Because I get it. I was in your shoes at one time. But it's something that is absolutely worth living out. So right now with everyone in this room, you could bow your head and close your eyes. You know, if you have never made the decision to ask Jesus into your heart, you've never committed your life to God, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a few moments to do so. All you have to do is say this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. You can just say it to yourself. Just say, dear God, I've messed up. I've tried doing things my own way, but I can't anymore. God, I admit that I have sinned, but I believe that you sent your son Jesus down to this earth to die on a cross for my sins. And God, from this day forward, I commit to live my life for you. With no one moving, no one looking around. If you pray that prayer for the very first time, I want you to do me a favor. Just raise your right hand high in the air. Just be brave. If you've never prayed that prayer, you pray for the first time. Just raise your right hand there. That's awesome. You're going to receive a Bible from one of our volunteers. You can just grab that, but hold it high in the air. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for who you are, God. I thank you for every single student in this room. And God, I just pray over every single person in this room that as we move forward, that you allow us to keep our focus on you, God. You allow, remind us of the importance of what it means to live a life full of purity. That it's not a life full of restraint, but rather a life where we get to experience true freedom. Dear God, we love you. Praise you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, in just a moment, there's going to be a number that's going to